Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I'm here today with an interview with a very dear friend of mine who I've known for a few years now. Uh, we met shortly before I moved to California, and she is the person that made me terrified of going to Australia because she showed me a video where basically everything wants to eat you. And that did not make me excited to go to Australia, although I have many friends in Australia. And you know, everyone I've ever met from Australia has just been very wonderful, real down to earth, or faking it really well, but they seem very down to earth. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting how people are different regionally. I'm from, uh, you know, I guess what would be considered the Midwest in Michigan, even though it seems a little more east to me. Um, but it seems like everybody that you meet from that region, like you can kind of tell that they grew up there. I don't know if it's that there's a different mentality or different thought process or, you know, just a different kind of focus. But uh, for some reason, it seems like I can almost always identify when I meet somebody that they're from that area. So, uh, you know, people from Australia, they've just been really, really kind and generous and thoughtful. And um, it's been great. But I'm terrified to uh, visit your city. I also hate flying long distances. So like for me, a one hour flight is kind of getting to the point where I'm like, mm, I'm kind of done with this, you know, but it really beats the hell out of driving. So I'm glad that there's flights and things like that, but um, I'm not a patient person. So I'm not a good passenger, I suppose. I don't really do anything to disrupt it, but I just feel like I'm not a good passenger. But anyway, but, but Patty is absolutely fantastic. She has been passionate about being a dancer from the time she was five years old, and she has made her entire life based upon that dream and making it a reality and living it day after day. She's done so many things, and we're going to talk about a lot of those things. It's really wonderful to see somebody who knew what they wanted to do from a very young age and followed through and made a life out of it. I think, you know, I really admire that, but I think that's just, that's the dream, right? You know, for those of us that are passionate about certain things that we would be able to get to do that and not have to do, I guess, what would be considered a regular job or, or something like that for the rest of our lives, that we could just live off of the passion that we have for our art and working hard on it and following through and building it into something bigger. So I love when I can meet people that are doing that very thing. And that is Patty. So before we get to the interview, I just want to remind you guys that the Uriah Heap podcast I started, Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast, is now up and running. You can find it on Stitcher Radio, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major places. I think there's a few more that are coming online. There's some smaller places that I don't have uh, memberships at, so I'm not sure if they've gone live there or not. Um, but you can also find it on my website at www.scotthaskin.com and then just click on the Uriah Heat podcast link. Uh, it's been a lot of fun putting the show together, so please do take the time and check that out. And even better, subscribe. Uh, and much like I'll, I always ask for this show, please go to uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a rating. And uh, even better would be a review. But if you leave a rating, however many stars you think the show deserves, please give it an honest number of stars because that's what I believe in, genuine honesty. Uh, if you think the show is five stars, that's awesome. If you think it's one star, that's fine. Uh, be honest, leave whatever rating you feel is appropriate. And, uh, you know, anytime you guys have questions, guest suggestions, all of that good stuff, please feel free to write me at scott at scotthaskin.com. Dot com. That email just obviously goes direct to me because that's me. So let's uh, let's just talk to Patty and find out about all the amazing experiences that she's had in her life. It's uh, it's quite a shocker. All right. 
right, ladies and gentlemen, I have on the show today one of the most wonderful, dynamic, passionate people I have ever met in my life for you. And we're going to have a great conversation with her. Her name is Patty Morris. Patty, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you. I'm just great. Delighted to be on your show. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to have you. And thank you so much for all your patience with because we've been working on this for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad we were finally able to connect. The, the thing I love about you the most is that you have spent the majority of your life being a dancer and you are just as passionate about it now as you were when you first started. What is it about dancing that just just does it for you? It's exciting and it's a high. I didn't have to do I didn't have to drink, do drugs, do anything. People who downhill ski will know the same feeling. It's that sense of awesome awesomeness and freedom and to express yourself and your uh, it makes me so happy that's why I'm always smiling when I'm dancing and you know sometimes you've got you know because of styles you've got to change that smile you can't always be smiling but oh my god I love it yeah well and you're in general you're a pretty happy person you know you're you're bubbly you're really fun to be around but there is just another level that you take it to when you're dancing Thank you. Now, you are the only person that I know of that has ever won the gong show with Chuck Barris. How did it it come? Now, I might have known. I don't know if Loretta Swit was ever a judge on that. I interviewed her earlier this year. I know Jamie Farr was, but I don't think I've known any other contestants. How did it come about that you ended up doing the show? Well, it just it was the first season of the show. A couple of our dancers had gone on. And uh, at that time, we were doing a lot of TV shows, you know, that were available for us. And that just became another available show. And uh, it was great fun. It was, um, you know, structured well, no problems. Everything ran very smoothly. They, of course, had a variety of different contestants on there. Um, But it's a bit corny. I mean, nobody wants to be gone. So you're taking a chance. I don't, you know, that would have killed my ego oh my god (laughs) right oh i think that's that's one of the things i love about people that are willing to go on shows like that is that they are taking the chance of having that rejection and i mean now it's in front of billions of people but even back then the, the audiences were pretty huge and this is kind of when television was fairly new um for people to have like every household to have a television but that is that really takes a certain amount of either belief in yourself or courage or just I don't care to actually get yourself to go and sign up and go through that whole process of, of going on the show? Mm. Well, at the time, it was exciting. And as dancers, you know, we had big egos and we'd like to show off. So we would take any venue we could mm. to do something and, you know, it helped promote us also. And that's the real problem back then is that there were not a lot of avenues for you to promote. You didn't have TikTok and Facebook and things back then. We didn't have computers. It was you were you were like walking door to door saying, I need to show you what I've got. Exactly. And that was even before videos. So that was hard copy pictures of the dance group, along with all the places we've worked. A lot of times they'd have us come in and do a demonstration, which, you know, when you start adding all that up, sometimes you wonder, wow, is it really worth it? But you do what you have to do. And I mean, I, I, 
I can remember one job, an agent got us a job and we went over to an army base to perform. Well, somehow they were expecting strippers and that wasn't going to happen. So we, I'm sure we disappointed them, but how dare that agent market us is that we weren't, we were dancers. So, I mean, you get into all kinds. Oh, I won't even want to go into all the weird stories, especially <laughs> Vegas. Oh, Jesus, Vegas. Um, you know, the, just the situations you wind up in um, trying to get out there in the world and be known in whatever you do, um, especially in entertainment. Obviously, we're out in front of people. And I have had the most, you know, Talk about the Me Too movement and all the other problems and other things that go on. Totally amazing what a woman had to deal with. That's why it was so strict with Summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Summer's your daughter, and she's been on the show a couple yeah. of times too. But I think that, it, do you think it's getting better at all? I don't know. My feeling is, again, these people can get away with it because they have the power. And you take young you know, young um, ingenues trying to get into the business and uh, they just get caught up in things and the the drugs are still there. There's no question about that. And that's in itself a problem. So, you know, I'm not saying the whole Hollywood world is like that. Obviously, we've got some good people out there. Sure. But they're not sensational, so you don't hear about it. You don't hear... Exactly. You know, there was a nice cop that helped get a cat down from a tree today. You hear that somebody got shot for no reason. And I mean, anything that's that's uh, sensational is what they're going to talk about. Yeah. Mm. They, they don't come on and say Steven Spielberg didn't try to molest anybody today. They say, look at what Harvey Weinstein was doing. It's, it's all about what's going to get you the attention. What are people going to be interested in? Um, We were talking about American Idol before we started recording, and I've looked at some of the videos of the, you know, X Factor and and American Idol failed auditions get twice the hits of the ones where they're great auditions. Right. That's a horrible statement about what people want. Yes, but it's the judges, you know, have to weigh out and decide how many people they can, you know, have for that show. And I don't know. Uh, Occasionally they'll put up... uh, clinkers or clunkers or I don't know what you want to call them. You know, <laughs> right. somebody who can't uh, do much of anything. Like there was, I was watching one uh, video on the phone from American Idol and it was a Korean woman and um, who came out to perform, but I still don't know what she was doing. And I think it, it could have been a he, I still don't know what it was about, but you know, body wise, they had on this striped bodysuit kind of a very stocky person and walked around waving their arms. It was, and I, wow. I I think there are certainly those people that go on just to make a spectacle of themselves because they just want to be seen. They don't take, they're not going in with a serious audition, whether they're good or bad. Um, And those people I, I don't really care so much about, but I admire people that are willing to go on that show whether they're talented or not, if they just believe enough in themselves to stand in line for eight hours and get in front of these famous judges, knowing that their audition is going to be put on YouTube. And um, that really, again, that goes back to that really takes a lot of strength and guts, regardless of your talent, that if you believe right. in yourself enough to do it. Now, again, I'm not talking about the people that specifically go on to be a spectacle because they're very obvious. 
But I respect those people because they're going for it. How many people don't go for their dreams? Well, that's it. They're, you know, either prevented by themselves or by the people around them. It's, mm-hmm. but I mean, we only have one life. Do what makes you happy. Exactly. <laughs> as long as you're not hurting other people, just go for it. Well, I have to say I fought tooth and nail growing up, though, wanting to be a dancer. I knew from the age of five I wanted to dance. Then I wanted to do ballet. Well, I found out, no, that isn't for me. I do not have the patience. <laughs> <laughs> that, that and is it wasn't a really art. fun. And it wasn't fun. It was too structured. It's very rigid. You know? Yes, yes. So that's when, you know, I mean, we started, I think, what the first freestyle dance was, uh, might have been the mashed potatoes before the twist. And then they came out with the jerk and the swim. I mean, I can name you every dance that came out from back then, but I was fortunate enough to be raised in a home where my mom loved her musicals and my mother and my grand, my grandfather went out dancing every night till he was 92, every single night. And uh, him and my mom and they, so I learned how to do swing and cha-cha you know, uh, basic ballroom dancing in my house. So there was always that love for music. And wow, once the music changed and the styles changed, wow, that's all it took. Well, I was going to ask you that because I think your the, the path of a dancer is very heavily affected by the music that's out at the time. And you're talking about Chubby Checker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like real. We're talking about the, the old greats, really. Yes, real innovators. Yeah, but see, I was James Brown all the way before oh, Michael yeah. Jackson. I went from James Brown to Michael Jackson, but uh, again, that was not a, not a good issue. My family would not allow me to go to one of his concerts. Didn't feel it was the environment that was conducive to a college education or whatever. And I finally got to one. Finally got to one. You know. Good. When I was older, but um, I got to four or five of Michael Jackson's. Oh, nice. Oh, God, I love that man. Oh, broke my heart. I was told after the fact, I think it was by summer, that when we went to the African Oscars back in, it had to be 2015. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I was sitting a couple of rows away from Latoya Jackson, and I didn't even see her. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You know what? You don't notice a lot of people at some of these events. They're just. Yeah, you really don't. Well, you're so focused on who you need to meet, who you want to talk to, that sort of thing that like for me, I never saw the celebrities. Apparently, I was standing right behind Cameron Diaz for about 30 minutes at a party one night and I didn't even know. she. Uh-huh. Was, I never even saw oh, she's her. She's a cutie. She's a cutie. Yeah, I've heard she's really nice, but I didn't I didn't even she meet is. her. You know, and, uh, I was so focused. I'm like producers, directors. That's who I need to be speaking to. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think but but so was overall, would you say that the gong show was a, besides winning? But was the whole thing a good experience, do you think? Yes, I, I think at the time it was a great experience. It was, you know, good experience for television um, in terms of, you know, learning and understanding it if you haven't done it before. And um yeah, like I, I just felt the show was done quite handled quite well. Whatever went on behind the scenes, I wouldn't know. The director was a bit tough. I'll tell you that one. Oh, well, I, I think that for, from what I've heard, the first year or so of the show was pretty good. It wasn't until a little bit later that all the 
you know, the ugliness started with Chuck Barris and not getting along with the director and that, um, which is always a shame. But uh, they they really featured a lot of people on that show. A lot of people got to be seen because of what they were doing. Yes, exactly. I remember exactly. the Unknown Comic was on like every other week. Oh, and what was it? Uh, Jean, Jean, the Dancing Machine. Yes. And was it Shields and Yarnell, I think, were on from time to time? Yes. Yeah, a lot of good acts back. But back then, you had to be good at what you did. I feel like a lot of things now, because of technology, you you can fake a lot of things or enhance a lot of things. And you don't have to be as talented to to necessarily appear to be talented. I'm going to agree wholeheartedly with that because I'm, I'm looking at what people do. And the screen behind them is actually more fantastic than the act itself. Mm-hmm. You know? what they can do but you look at guys like dean martin sammy davis jr you know they had to be able to do it all you were you were not an actor you were an entertainer that's exactly right and now you have like an actor that wants to to do an album and i get that i mean i don't want to you know squash anyone's passion but it's like they're wanting to venture into things that they're not skilled in but back then you had to be skilled in all of it yes absolutely and I can understand the people wanting to move into different things. Mm-hmm. And it works a lot of the times. They've already got the following. So they're already starting out with the following. That definitely puts you ahead of the curve. you know. Yeah. Um, but you've done a lot of competitions here in Vegas. And aside from the, you know, I- I'm sure there were a lot of stories that you probably don't want to tell about things that have happened here in this town. <laughs> uh, where was it like mostly Caesar's Palace or where were you performing? You know, uh we were a warm-up group at the Tropicana for a while, Lady Dynamite, hmm. uh, years ago. And uh, just even getting there to do that job, I wound up, well, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just one of those things. The guy who gave us the opportunity for the audition, bless his heart, was through a friend of mine. And then we got there, and I guess he had other things in mind because we were supposed to, all of us, you know, we were a group, just spend the night at his house. We weren't thinking of any hanky-panky, but apparently he was. So oh. I, I wound up leaving in the middle of the night with my mink coat on in my 280ZX and drove probably a portion of the way home and then had to pull over and go to sleep. And do you know how cold it is during the winter there? Oh, yes, yes you do. do. <laughs> yes, I do. So, but, but that was a choice. I, you know, it just... We do things because we want to, not because we have to, to push ourselves. People were smarter than me. I'm going to say those who used themselves to move up the ladder did better. But if you had been one of those people, would you be able to look back on your career and be proud of it? No, not at all. That's that's kind of where I draw that line, too. I've had opportunities that I have said this would be really good for me if I did it. But ethically, morally, they're not the right things for me. So if I made a, a huge success and sold tons of albums or, you know, had got a huge following on the show because of that act, I could not ever appreciate where I got because of it. Mm. It would be meaningless to me because I knew I didn't do it honestly. Right. Actually, it looks like you're doing really well with your music. Well, thank you. I'm trying. You know, I've got a new album I'm working on now and I've got a bunch Uh out there. But 
um, it, it's just, you know, you just, you do what you do. I mean, you're passionate about dancing. You just keep dancing. You keep putting it out there. And uh, for me, it's the same with music or the podcast. Uh, it's, you can't not be what you're passionate about. You just have to do it. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Now you're doing, uh, you're a new TikTok. I don't know, is it member performer? I don't know what the correct term is, but you're a TikTok artist, I'll say. Okay. I, I, are you enjoying that platform? Uh, yes, because yes, to be very, very honest with you, yesterday I came home after having to deal with some sad things, mm -hmm. you know, with my friend and trying to work out stuff. And I got onto my TikTok platform and I had such nice compliments, certainly changed how I was feeling. It actually, you know, made me happy. Well, because your art, the things that you're passionate about, you're inspiring other people or entertaining them. And that's that's really the ultimate goal. I mean, obviously, we're fulfilling our own needs as artists. But really, what we want to do is we want to share that with people and we want them to enjoy what we're doing. Absolutely. And it gets harder for all, everyone as they get older. I mean, they become more limited. I'm, I'm not doing any floor work. I know how to do it. But how am I going to show it to people if I'm physically unable to do, you know, kickover splits or the alpha or all these different steps? These are all floor work. Right. Um, it was like taking that breaking class one day and I had taken a class before it and then I went into breaking and I realized I can't do this. But it wasn't for lack of trying. Well, the other challenge, too, is that, you know, you're you're filming and you're in a limited area. You can't have somebody moving the camera around most of the time because, you know, we're all obviously in lockdown. Well, what a lot of people do, and I'm getting set up for that right now, I drive out and I film uh, into Palm Springs and with a bit of help and bring my costume, we um, film for a couple of hours, just do real quick excerpts. So I do a couple weeks at a time so that released daily um then uh all we have a stand that our phone will sit on and be secure so you can perform in front of the phone nobody has to hold it you have a little remote to turn it on and off and then you can uh, there's inexpensive light screens around that you can get if you need to you know light up your particular area so it doesn't take a lot but it takes, you know, some imagination and uh, an area. I've been actually dancing on an, in an area that is used for um, this other fellow's MMA demonstrations on TikTok. But is it is it limiting because the, you only get so much width on the screen that you can't really do, uh, you know, like wide steps? You're kind of like consolidated into a smaller area. <laughs> Yes, that would be difficult. But since I'm only teaching one step at a time, and that's virtually what I'm doing occasionally, I might do two as a combination. But um, right now I'm giving them one step at a time and eventually I'll show them how to blend it. It started out with just arms. Then it went to foot movements, you know, and hip movements. So it's just a matter of them, you know, getting good with what they're learning. And then we start putting it all together. It's, it's not necessarily a choreographed routine. It's just literally dance steps because mm -hmm. some you like, some you won't. Sure. And then you can kind of like pick and choose and integrate and make your own routine. Absolutely. I like it. Well, that's the thing I love about dancing is that it's very free flowing. Mm hmm. 
you know, you can, if you feel like doing this step next, you just do it. Yeah. Well, like anything, the only way to get good at something is to do it exactly. and to practice it. I don't care what it is. So yes, you have to love what you do and enjoy it. No question. Yeah. I mean, I, I am not a dancer by any means. I put an eye out doing spirit fingers, but <laughs> I have great respect for the art. In fact, I was just telling a friend of mine the other night, a few years ago, uh, when I was living in Phoenix, I had the opportunity to get some lessons at the Fred Astaire School of Dance. And oh, of course, uh-huh. Fred wasn't really there. He's been gone a while. No. But yeah. uh, they, I went in and I did three lessons because I wanted to understand dancing for ballroom in case okay. I ever got a ballroom scene that I had to write music for. I wanted to understand the, the, you know, the connection, how the bodies work and yes. how it moves and how it feels. And I learned so much doing that. I mostly learned that I shouldn't be doing it. But, <laughs> but I really, I really respect what you do because you work very hard at it. You're very good at it. But I understand why it is that you're passionate about it. It's just not something I can do. Right. But you still, you're passionate about your music. Same, same thing, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting experience. I mean, I, I couldn't repeat any of those dance steps. Now, I think I learned it was like the Foxtrot. And I think there were two or three other ones that I had learned. I don't remember them now. But I but I what I do remember about it is how the body moves and, and the feel of that. And that's what I really wanted to get out of it. Um, but was it was it hard for you when you first started performing in front of people? Did it take you a while to get over the nerves? Because you have a lot to remember when you're working as part of a performance. Yes. Well, I just always like the attention. The truth is dance. I went into dancing and it just kind of came about um, like my first contest in Long Beach. I'm underage, whatever. But I mean, I took second place in the first contest I was ever in. So that kind of fed me. And from then on, I started doing it and I actually was winning and I had never really done it before. And I came from a home that was very critical and my self-esteem came from dancing. So dancing became my lifeline to becoming a successful and outgoing person. And because of it, I was able to become a teacher, do demonstrations, do, you know, you name it, I've probably done it. And it's been fantastic. I only, the only reason I actually went back to get an education, I was 24 at the time, was because people's attitudes towards dancers. Oh, are you a stripper? Or uh, they don't have any brains or dancers. You know, I resented the hell out of that. I went back to school just for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know? it, it takes a lot of intelligence to be a dancer. I mean, you what you see is the physical side of it, but it really takes a lot to consciously get down the moves, know where your body is, know how to keep your balance, know how fast to go, um, just even memorizing the, the steps in order. I mean, there's so much intelligence that goes into any art form, but I think dance is a very intense form. Yes, but remember, again, like anything else, practice makes perfect. So, uh you know, your timing, your bounce and everything. It comes from just learning your step and knowing what you're doing. Yeah, very true. And, and that repetition uh, commits it to memory over time. But when you're dancing by yourself, that's fine. But when you're dancing with a group of people, 
you you have to be aware of them as well. It, again, it's repetition because with the choreography I've done and I brought in other choreographers, you know, spread the spread the wealth. Um, they literally have a routine and they teach it to you to the song. And if you know your music, you kind of are able to put it together pretty quick. Mm-hmm. If you're learning, it's different. If you don't know the steps and you're having to learn them, it's different. But I tried to stay with people who could already dance. Yes, I taught people who couldn't, but not in a performance level. Okay. Would you say that dancing, like I say a lot of times that music is very mathematical. Would you say that dancing is? Well, everything is. Everything is. Remember, just go with our counts. Five, six, eight. I mean, as silly as that sounds, we're, you know, we're doing two, four timing or one, three timing. So, I mean, you've got to kind of, yeah, it's just all automatic because you're working with the beats of the music and that's timing. Do you do uh, like stretching or warm ups before you start? Oh, I used to. Oh, yes. Wouldn't begin to think of it. I mean, one time I remember that I didn't warm up enough and I was determined I was going to win this contest. And in those days, you would get something called a Jack and Jill where you draw a name out of a hat. You don't know who the hell you're going to dance with. So I remember getting this guy who wasn't a dancer at all and cocky little me, you know, with my ego was a little pissed off. But <laughs> I did. I did. I danced around him, did the best I can. But unfortunately, I did a high kick and tore the uh, muscles and ligaments in my leg. And I it swelled up to the size of two legs. And believe me, I was on a cane and didn't dance for months. Wow. But I bet you finished that routine, didn't you? I sure did. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you're feisty i don't see you being somebody that unless i mean if you're like fell off you would probably try and still finish the routine on your hands well i actually have i mean uh, remember when i did couples dancing i was doing handstands on people's shoulders flips you name it you've seen it all skaters do a lot of it and i remember one time when i was going backwards for a safety catch he wasn't there i just landed flat on my back in the thing. And I had to get back up and dancing. And then he wanted to blame me. And I thought, I thought about it. And I said, no, I have this timing absolutely down for this routine. So yeah, I mean, things unfortunately happen. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure that you've had your fair share of injuries, but I would imagine that the, just the warming up and just getting your body limber and ready to go, that, that has to help. Very important. Just, absolutely, absolutely important. Not just for the performance, but for longevity. Yes. Well, you don't want to injure yourself. You need to be warmed up to be able to be fluent in your performance. Mm-hmm. Um, those muscles have to be stretched. And it's it's amazing how quick uh, they tighten up or they degenerate if mm-hmm. you don't use them. I remember when I had knee surgery, they said, all right, I want you to go home, wait a couple hours, and then tie a grocery bag around your ankle with a couple of soup cans in it and, and do 100 leg lifts. I'm like, you just cut into my knee half an hour ago. You know, it, it's they said the muscles just start degenerating that fast. And I'm like, but I, I never realized that, you know, so yeah, staying limber, warming up, all those things make such a big difference if you intend to have a long career. But when you're young, we think we're infallible. Of course, it's kind of, we think that when we get older too, unfortunately. Do we? <laughs> yeah, at least, yeah, some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, one time I remember I was 
off from walking for six months. I was literally in a wheelchair. I'd broken my foot off my leg. Oh, wow. And I want you to know that I, it, I could have had the opportunity to have the plates and screws and everything taken out. I haven't bothered because I can dance just as well on it. It hasn't impacted because I worked it. I really worked at being, you know, when you have something you love and if it's physical, you're going to work your body to make sure you can continue, continue doing that. Yeah. And we do, if we're, if we're really dedicated and passionate, we do learn to compensate for our, the changes in our body. Of course. But so many people, it seems like they just want to be a victim to anything that's not like if, if it's not perfect, then, oh, here's why I can't do what I want to do. Woe is me. You know, I feel like there's a lot of that. These you days. go for it. I say anything, you know, wow. It, we can do anything we choose to. It's up to us. And I've always had that philosophy and raised my children with that. It's just, you know, you, you know, achieve success at different rates, different ages and doing different things. You find your way. And believe me, I would be young again for anything, at least, uh, you know, before 21. That yeah. was pretty awful. Well, because people told me what to do. Nobody's oh, yeah. want. I don't want to listen to people telling me what to do. Never have. Mm -hmm. No, you're you're way too of an independent spirit for that. <laughs> but I'm very compliant with the COVID directions. That's good because we need you around. Yeah, I need you around too. Yes. But you've been, <laughs> you've been teaching for a long time. You've done choreography as well. Did you enjoy doing the choreography or is that something that like, you know, I have to do this if I want to do that? Oh, no, I loved it. I spent hours. I wasn't, I didn't have the training that professional dancers get you know i had a little bit here and a little bit there but i'm probably one of the real first street dancers and freestyle dancers to be honest with you that came that came out in the late 60s you know i think that makes a lot of difference oh yeah yeah now gong show was that had to be like 78 79 i'm thinking i think 74 75 that early yes wow i didn't know it was on that long um, did you notice that that exposure actually did something for you? Did you get people coming to you and saying, you know, I saw you on the gong show. I want to do uh, something with you. No, not from the gong show. I, we were in, we were individually, um, approached like, uh, Joe Namath had a talk show and had me and my dance partner on there, which I never worked out how we fit it into his show, but, oh, and we were with that jerk, uh, that guy from, um, I, he's passed now, um, Hogan's Heroes. Um, oh, I, I can picture him. I can't think of his name, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my God. What a jerk he was on that show. Well, just, you know, you don't get on the show and you're not sarcastic or snotty or anything like that. And I, you know, to me that he lost a lot of credibility with that one, but, uh, doing the shows, we, you know, we had action 76, action 77. There was American bandstand, which I did not do because it, it, it started, I guess, when I was really young and the style at that time was partner dancing. Right. Yeah. Soul train. I would have been on probably would have been the first white girl on it, woman on it 
but then I had left and moved to Australia because when Soul Train started, remember, it was all um, African-American and the styles. But they all those people became my dance partners at one time or another. So we all <laughs> did the same thing. Right. There was another one, though. Was it um, American Bandstand? Yes, that American Bandstand. Dick Clark. Dick Clark's. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to go on that one? I didn't. I didn't have any desire to. I felt it was too old fashioned at the time. And yet I have lots of friends who did American Bandstand. But I was doing I was a little different. I was out trying to make money again, dancing in Vegas, touring with my dance group. I made my living a dance contest. And to do that, it was tax free money. Basically, you think about it, you know, $50, $100 a night, tax-free money was great money. Oh, yeah. But you, ha- you had to win. So I worked at it, and I didn't always win. I, You know, when um, the dance styles changed and the newer dancers came in and were doing things, I had to try to catch up, play catch-up then. You know, you're always learning and playing catch-up. Well, and obviously, too, when you're winning these competitions or even just competing at all, a lot of it is your dancing skills. But isn't a lot of it your personality at, while you're dancing as well? Absolutely. And I think that's what did it for me because I was so happy. Yeah, I can see that <laughs> because it, it seems like you could watch somebody with great moves. But if they just look like, you know, a, a stone statue, their face, they're not smiling. They're, they don't look like they're enjoying it unless it's specifically a serious piece. That's not going to win me over. Right. Well, like, you know, they say with singing, they want, you know, you to make it yours, put your personality in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're in a group and it's choreographed, no, you go with every, you, you follow exactly whether it's the expressions, the hand, the arm, whatever. You follow everything exactly. But when you're on your own, you're, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Exactly. And now, even though you didn't go on Soul Train and these other shows, you actually have your own show now. Yes. That, of course, is on hiatus like everything else. But tell us about that. Okay. Let's Dance USA uh, was filmed to show a variety of um, ages. We've got six-year-olds and we've got 26-year-olds, you know? So, and though, believe me, those six-year-olds were dynamite. But I wanted to appeal to a wider audience that impacts the young. So, as you know, I had Sonia Harley mm-hmm. as one of the um, MCs, and um, and boy, is she a little spitfire! Yeah, isn't she? And then one of the Achoa boys from Disney. So he uh, was the other MC for this. And it worked, it worked really well. The dancers were great. Parents came with the younger ones. People came in from um, Arizona, Vegas. I pulled dancers from different places. It took me over six months, though, going to, um, you won't believe some of the places I went, but oh my God, some of the dancers. I think you tend to find a, a lot of talent in obscure places. We, we always look to the major cities because you're going to have a bigger selection of people. But I think a lot of the best people are ones that you don't know about. They're they're too afraid to come out and show their art. Um, you know, they're just like, oh, I just like doing it for me when when really they're amazing. And it's hard to flesh those people out. There's a place called Homeland in Long Beach. And people have been teaching dance there for years. And 
nobody, unless you're from that little area, it's on Cherry and Anaheim, which is not a great area. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even think to go there. But, oh, my gosh, they have some talented kids there. Unbelievable. And uh, there was another one I went to that was, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it was for people who were getting out of jail, actually, you know, and helping families and this and that. And so they had a dance class going on there with crumping. Of course, I learned how to crump. Right. And, um, you know, it was it's just not places you would look. But I did also get studios and different things, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with with everything being shut down, what is the status of the show? When can we see some footage of it? It is on hold and they're not going to pre-release any of the footage. Um, And I don't understand why, but, you know, there is obviously a method to their madness. Sure. You know, and uh, we've uh, finally got our little animated character in there because from the very beginning of the show, I wanted a little character called Snarky who could pop his little head up and make sarcastic comments. (laughs) Well, that's my personality. I love it. That's, That's what I'm thinking is you'd be writing the content. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yep. And anyway, it's uh, that was a very clever, great addition to doing the show, you know, so it's just different things, making it better and better and uh, then finding out the best way to release it. Like I say, with social media, things are changing, uh, but people are looking for content. There's no question there. You know, you'll see that all the time. They want content, but some of them are pretty shady. You're going to have to be careful because they'll get the profit. We're going to start running out pretty soon of content that's already been filmed. That's just been being edited during the the lockdown. It's some, I mean, I know people are starting to film some things again, but but it's kind of like we're running out of watchable new content. And I think there's going to be quite a lull the longer this thing goes on. I feel, I've already felt the I felt the lull. I did have to say that they have come up with a pretty some pretty great things. Um, Netflix, um, uh, the Enola Holmes movie. Was that the one with uh, Millie Brown? I don't know who the actress was. She was from Stranger Things. Oh, of course. And I love Stranger Things. I do too. The, no wonder she looked familiar. Okay, there you go. Anyway, it was very, very good. Um, kind of a surprise someone else mentioned it to me you know wouldn't think to look for it and of course to me the best thing came out in the past couple of years after um game of thrones with the Mar- was the marvelous mrs mazel mm. oh my god that is the best i just think it's interesting because one of the other actresses from uh, stranger things is going to be doing a netflix movie and i thought why aren't you guys if you can film why aren't you filming stranger things that's the one everyone's waiting for yeah, I know. But they're going to have a hard time now because those kids are growing so fast that whatever they had filmed before the the lockdown when they had to stop, now you're going to have a huge continuity gap in their Well, they'll be te- they'll be teenagers. Yeah. It'll be a di- different approach. They're probably going to have to start over. Oh, and bring in characters you mean for the younger set. Yeah. Unless they do flashbacks or something. I don't know. They could probably work something out, but I mean when you're dealing with kids and they're, you know, they're in that age where every six months they look completely different. It's it's there's only so much you can do as a filmmaker. 
Yes, yes. Well, they can't do much right now. I mean, uh, Summer went on a set for, um, oh, I can't even think of the name of the show. But anyway, uh, about a month ago, we all wound up having to go get tested for COVID because one person had been exposed. And there was only five people at the shoot. That I mean, come on. What are you going to do? Right. I, but that's how fragile it is right now. I was like, if, if we ever want to stop this instead of just like, OK, now let's do this. OK, we'll wait a week. OK, now it's rising again. So let's do this. Like I, I, it's going to be we're going to have to just tough it out, I think, for a while, because I don't really know that a sustainable vaccine is really on the horizon at this point. But at the same time, we need stuff. Well, fi- apparently that they they, you know, they Pfizer and another company has come out with something. What they've done is brilliant. They're sending it to other countries to test. We came out with it, but rather than just mass distribute it, we're giving it to other countries to test before we're doing that to see if the viability is the same as we find it. But I don't see myself running and jumping and getting that uh, shot immediately because I feel I need to see how it's going. people are going to react to it and what the side effects and the ramifications of it are. Right. I wanted to ask you, too, so you, you've been teaching for a long time. Is that something that, that you really enjoy, or is it something that you just kind of do because it, there's a need for it? You mean the educationally or dancing? Dancing. I actually enjoy performing. That's really where my head's at, which most performers feel the same way, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Because those who can't teach right. is really what happens. But I don't mind. Like I say, I, I still love what I do. So if I can share it, that works. Yeah. And, and I mean, there. I think there is to me a certain responsibility to pass what we've learned and built along to the next generation so that they can start with a with that foundation and then build from there. And, you know, I never mind, you know, answering questions or, and things because uh, I think that that is something cool that I can do for the future. But you have had you had a very questionable student in your world at one point. Yes. Who was it? That was uh, James Earl Ray, the, the man who was, I guess, died in jail for and being accused of uh, shooting Martin Luther King, although uh Mrs. King had forgiven him, so I don't know if she thought he was innocent or what. I have no idea. But anyway, that was quite an experience to walk into work. It was one of my very first jobs. I was working at National Dance Studio in Long Beach, and I walked in one day, and it was surrounded by feds completely. Didn't even make it in the building before I had two, one on each side of me, walking me into the building to talk to me. Wow. Oh, actually, I've got this little newspaper article here, and it'll tell you how they um, treated things like that then. Of course, I want to find my glasses. I won't. It would be easier to read. Did you feel that there was something a little odd about him, or was he just, you know, here's here's my student. He comes in at noon. and No, he was, to me, he was, you know, your typical introverted, Mm -hmm. shy type of person. Mm. Nothing, you know, to make him stand out. Nothing really about him in any regard. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very weird. But apparently when he did this, he um, 
it was a week after he left one of our lessons. Wow. So I don't even know what he was doing in Long Beach. I mean, it, the whole thing is very confusing. I think he was just given a lot of money and was doing what he wanted mm-hmm. at that point. Right. Like, I know that this is going to end things, so I might as well check all this bucket list stuff off first. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. Here's my little thing on, uh, okay. I'll just start here. But a former colleague at the studio, Patty Harris, 20, a smoky brunette, tutored him almost 20 hours. He was a very nice person, she said, and he was not much of a dancer. Okay, then I've actually, the paper is torn, but they're implying here that when I left the studio with my job at National Dance Studio in mid-February, I had to explain that quitting her job had nothing to do with Galt, who terminated his lessons there about the same time. It was a matter of schoolwork, said Miss Harris, who was studying at Long Beach City College to be a research chemist. Miss Harris said Galt often was moody and depressed, but never evidenced any violent tendencies in his speech or actions. Racial prejudice, she asked. He never showed any. Why he didn't even react when I described some steps as soul dancing, which is a Negro expression. Remember, this was many, many years ago. Okay. Yeah. 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 Miss Harris said she was not aware that Galt was a suspect in the King assassination until Monday night when she was told by the manager of the dance studio. Looking back to her tutoring of Galt, she said she often detected alcohol on his breath. Okay. Maybe he drank to bolster his confidence. She theorized. He was very shy. Wow. That's pretty in-depth for somebody that spent 20 hours with him. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the whole article kind of tried to imply that maybe there was some hanky-panky going on. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. That's when I really realized what the newspapers did. Up until then, I never thought about it. But, you know, their sensationalism and what their implications and different things they do. Exactly. I mean, that's just, and of course, you know, you see that so much more now, but, uh, but, but let's say that there had been something, what would that have to do with what he went on to do afterwards? I mean, it's just nothing, something to grab people's attention so that they'll read the article. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that, that's pretty major stuff. I mean, Martin Luther King, oh my gosh. I mean, that's, that's, that's just about as big as it gets. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what been one of the most historic moments in, in American history anyway. Um, and it's just random. I mean, you just go into do your job and you're teaching and, you know, I yep. remember um, there was that show, The Dating Game. And it was like one person would be behind the wall and they would talk to three people and pick a suitor. I can't remember which serial killer it was, but one of the serial killers was a contestant on that show. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to say that I read that she picked him, but they never went on a date or something. I can't remember what happened. But, I mean, you just never know. And, of course, you know, they're going to screen those people to the extent that they could at the time. You know, background checks weren't accessible back then. But, um, you know, you can only do so much. But you just never know about people. Well, yeah, it was like I went to go visit a friend and uh, a couple friends, actually, and then a week later, the girl was dead, killed by the Zodiac Killer, mm-hmm. or the Hillside Strangler. And they never caught him. That's crazy. You know, you just, but that's the thing. It's like, that's what really gets me about life and why 
I think it is so important that we follow our passions, that we live life to the fullest and not get caught up in drama and all this other stuff, because you really just never know when you might not have the chance to do the things you want to do. So go for it. And when you're young, you're dumb and you do stupid things. You take chances you would never think of doing. I could even think back how I survived. I'll never know, you know. Right. Well, I mean, gosh, we used to drink water out of the backyard faucet. Yeah. How how, how did we We live? We lived. Yes, exactly. But now you're you're really focusing a lot of your attention because, you know, you can't work on the show, which has got to be frustrating because you put, spent so much putting it together. Um, but yeah. now you're really focusing on TikTok. And um, so your your content is really geared to anyone who loves dance, but you're really kind of honing in towards children. Yes. Younger, younger kids. Like I said, there's no soul train. There's no uh, bandstand. What are their dance TV shows? Dancing with the Stars would be the only other one I can think of. Yeah. And then uh, Jennifer Lopez put one on for a while with some excellent dancing. But the thing is, that isn't teaching kids anything. It's all too fast. They can look at it and go, oh, how wonderful. But they have no clue. Mm-hmm. And the dance shows, because we watched and we actually learned by copying. How do you copy these magnificent dancers? You know, they're moving too fast and doing complicated things. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of look at a lot of things that way. It's like everybody's taking it, always trying to take it to a new level. And they're they're getting away from the simplicity and the foundation because that's more sensational, which again is going to draw the audience. But if you're an up-and-comer, it's it's too much to break down. You can't learn it properly. And also you're not learning things like I need to stretch and I need to exercise and I need to do the move this way so that I don't end up with a back injury. Right. Actually, thank you. You brought that to my attention. So when I do uh, my next uh, filmings for TikTok, I might mention because I haven't done anything that they need to stretch for so far. Mm. I've been very, you know, you know, close to your body type steps. Nothing that they're, you know, they could hurt themselves with, <laughs> let's say, over their own feet. But <laughs> we, and we all can do that. Sure. Well, that's <laughs> why I don't try to emulate you, because that would be me. But I think I think, you know, we're too focused on we have to be the final product that we're seeing. And we're not seeing the six months of development it took to get there. And people are trying to emulate the final and not uh. building properly towards it. Right. Well, we might say the few years it takes to get there for anything. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, people are lucky if they find themselves in some some type of outlet, you know, whether music, dance, whatever their passion is. My my son loves the SCA, Society for Creative Anachronism. He's got all the costumes. He has a sword collection that you wouldn't even believe. And. He's been king twice and he's loved it. You know, for him, that was perfect because he started out riding a horse at medieval times Mm -hmm. under age. I remember his sword collection because I helped him move it and it is quite hefty. I will say it's very impressive. It's gotten more extensive too. And he's got such amazing things. Yes. But again, it's whatever your passion is. And I don't care what it is. I love to cook. That's another passion. Mm -hmm. 
And he does it to the hilt. I mean, he's not like a casual observer or somebody who's like, well, you know, maybe next weekend I'll do it. Like if there's anything going on, he's there 100% invested in it. And I love that about him. Mm. I can't imagine where he got that. Oh, gee, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I watched Summer the same way with uh, how she just is so tenacious about finding out the information now that she needs for her show. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite proud of her for that, that, you know, when these were kids, when they went to school, you thought, Oh my God, now what's going to happen to them, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's, it's amazing to see what people like what paths they take, but the fact that, you know, as long as you're doing what you want to do and you do the things obviously that you have to do to survive, But as long as you're doing what you love doing as much as you can and you're not hurting anyone else, to me, that's really living. Yes, absolutely. I'm not the kind of person, and you're not either, that just makes excuses as to why you can't do something. You'll say, okay, here's the roadblock. Now I'm going to get around it and I'm going to figure this out. And you make it happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel we've lost a lot of that in society these days. Uh, again, I still go back to the schools and the environment and the education and just the whole thing. It's terribly shocking and people just go with it and they really don't know what it can be. Right. You know, I I can say that when I graduated high school, which was in 1990, I don't feel like I got out of school being prepared for how to deal with the world. You know, I oh you you don't yeah you I didn't do. learn anything about home economics until the last semester of my senior year. That should have been like easily freshman year that they start developing those skills, as well as banking skills, as well as do you realize that people in special education get all these skills? Life they're called life skills, and they they're being taught, but the general public certainly isn't. Right. Exactly. And that's part of why we're such a mess. There's so many bankruptcies and things because people just weren't taught how to do those things properly. Yeah, it's a real shame. Well, I'm excited for your TikTok channel. And I think that everyone that's listening that loves dance, that just wants to see somebody who's passionate about what they're doing should go check that out. And we're going to have that link in the show notes. Patty, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so great to talk to you. I always have fun when we talk. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, no, it's just fabulous talking to you, too. Well, thank you. It's been a while. It has been a while, but you take care. Keep doing what you're doing, because I know that you're inspiring other people, and I know that you're teaching them things that they can really use. Oh, terrific. Thank you for that. You bet. You take care, my friend. Okay, Scott. I'll say goodbye, and thank you. Thank you. What did I tell you? Did I tell you she was amazing or what? Just so awesome. Had so many incredible experiences and we didn't even scratch the surface of the things that she's seen in her lifetime. But, uh, you know, I wish her great luck with the show. I'll be uh, anxiously awaiting footage of that. And in the meantime, thank you guys for joining me for another week of the Haskin Cast podcast. We have one more show next week before we take the year break. And then I might be back with an album review somewhere in there. I'm also working on finishing an album. So if that gets done before the end of the year, then I'll do a show on that as well. But 
thank you guys for joining me. Please remember to leave a review on Apple to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, anywhere you like, but those are the main places I'm likely to see them. Also Podbean as well. Thank you guys. And we will see you next week for another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Mm-hmm.